0: The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Source Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. For every $25 you bet on college basketball, WinBet is giving you a chance to win a trip to Las Vegas for March Madness and $1,000 in free WinBet credits. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGPN to your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And finally, we're brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is a horse racing daily fantasy sports app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with just one entry. Head on over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And, of course, speaking of apps, don't forget to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Download the SGPN app wherever it is you download apps.
1: Hello and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, the Mighty Mighty Sports Gambling Podcast Network, coming off another record month for traffic. Thank you, everyone, for listening and reading our stuff. We are up to episode 121. It's going to go out to my dear mother, whose birthday is on March the 3rd, so happy birthday, mommy, even though I bet you probably don't listen anymore because all this talking of fighting and the blue humor I dip into probably have driven you away, but... Whoever is listening, actually, if you hear these words, you are listening to this podcast. So thank you, whoever is listening to these words right now. I'll come out of Jeff Fox's mouth, your host. Some people call me Zombie Girl or Hobo Cop. You take your choice. I will be the host of this here podcast. Like I said, thank you for coming to the podcast. Hopefully, you're coming directly to our feed, the MMA Gambling Podcast feed. If not, if you can get on there and and subscribe, obviously, uh, that way you'll get our picks in your ears. Uh, second it drops rather than waiting for it to go out on the very busy SGPN uh, feed also throw us a review we're still having internal to see who can get the most reviews on their pods and other podcasts are giving away stuff to bribe people we I think I don't have to do that I think you people love us whether we give you give you tangible things or if we just give you amazing picks which we always do so give us a review I don't even care if it's a bad review just give us a review alright be a buddy um, we got a pay-per-view card to going down this weekend that we're actually going to give you winning picks on. Uh, let me introduce the uh, the associate co-host of mine. This is the man who's a recommended place. Bring all the boys to the yard. It would be Daniel <laughs> Gumby. Gumby no. Vreeland. Hello. Yo,
0: you've you've said some really flattering things in your introductions over the, yeah. the year plus. Uh, yep. Pr- prettiest purple belt at the ball and and all that kind of nonsense, but. But they my my recommended picks bring all the boys to the yard might be my absolute favorite. I might request that as a as a permanent introduction.
1: It's true. Your recommended plays are on fire, Daniel. As you know, yeah, you I, know. you're what seventy something percent, right?
0: I, I think I'm I think I'm seventy four percent on the the year. Uh, obviously, which is when we started doing the recommended plays, but the the return on investment is really what's there for us uh, yeah and that's, that's that's what we true. all care about is is money right
1: thirty nine percent return on investment for mr. veland for recommended plays seventy four percent hit rate um and i'm a sixty eight percent hit rate for picking every fight on the card so obviously which is pretty, which is to, pretty ridiculous it is yeah. probably won't probably won't last hopefully you um tailed me already up to this point. Cause probably where it's going <laughs> to... Wheels are probably going probably gonna to fall off because I, I usually regress back to about 60, 60%. So I'm going to get about 8% uh, more wrong this week than as, as per usual. So um, we had a title fight announced uh, before we get into this, this fight card. Tata fight announced. Uh, Talia Santos is the next victim for Valentina Shevchenko. Your thoughts on that? You think it's the right pick?
0: I think we, we called that at the beginning of the year. I think so, uh, yeah. When, when we were talking about the flyweight title and who would be the champ at the end of the year... I I know we all, we both picked Altina Shevchenko, but I think when you asked me who was next in that division, I think I picked Talia Santos. I, I think I thought she was the right option, even if she wasn't the one they were going to go with, because I actually wasn't sure they were going to go with her. I thought they were going to go with, you know, one of the 800 different uh, people that that are right there already, you know, the Jessica Andrade's and the Caitlin Chokagian's and, like, anybody who could pick up a win over another Caitlyn again, Um, I thought they were gonna give the title shot to, but I, I like that they gave it to her. And we also had a fight booking in that same exact division that seems to line up a possible number number one contender as well. Did you see that one?
1: I didn't. It's. Manon Fierro and someone else, right?
0: Yeah, Manol yeah, Fierro had her fight canceled with Jessica I for, right. I believe, this card, right? Like, she was supposed to fight this yes. weekend, um, yep. w- which is a huge bummer because I-, I thought that that was the fight that was going to catapult Manon Fierro to a title shot or damn near close to because I think Jessica I's ranked like eighth in the division or something in the UFC. There's a huge chance for Manol Fierro to move up. I gets hurt. She, I think she cut her foot open or something like that. Really gross. Um, and instead, Manolfi Rowe is going to fight in front of a live audience at UFC Columbus, the first fight night with a live audience again, and she's going to fight Jennifer Maya, who's currently ranked fourth in the UFC. She has a chance to put herself right in the top five in a huge way. She goes out there and finishes Jennifer Maya. I think she's next too.
1: And Dan would be very happy about that, would you not?
0: I, I would be very she's I, I honestly believe with the exception of Aaron Blanchfield, who I think is a worse matchup right now for Valentino Shevchenko, but at the same time way too young to be getting the title shot and clearly needs more yeah. um you know, she she clearly needs more experience before she gets that. Apart from her, I actually think Manuel Firo is probably the worst stylistic matchup for Valentina Shevchenko. And and if not, it's probably Talia Santos. So Exciting time yep. finally with her getting some challengers that uh, could possibly make her sweat a little.
1: Yep. And this is the podcast. This podcast is all about women's flyweight. I was usually say what the podcast is not about. We are all about <laughs> women's flyweight on this podcast. And we have a women's flyweight fight actually coming up this weekend, a grudge match nonetheless. So uh, um, we should probably dip right into it. Um, but first, of course, I need to tell you about WinBat, our friends at WinBat. Have a massive college basketball contest going on right now. The grand prize winner will receive a reserve seating area, which is four seats at the Wolverine Now Win Las Vegas Races Sportsbook for the early round action of the college basketball tournament, which is Thursday, March 17th and 18th, as well as two rooms at Win Las Vegas. As I close the ad read, now this is coming right off the head, there's no ad read. Uh, as well as two ribs at win Las Vegas for their two-night stay. In addition, they will be awarded with $1,000 in free bets on WinBet. Any WinBet patron that places a minimum $24 wager on college basketball during the promotional period will become eligible for the prize, and players can take advantage of the offer immediately. There's no limit to the number of entries that a patron can receive. It's the grand prize drawing. For example, if the patron wages $1,000 in college basketball during the promotional period, they will receive 40 entries. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Stable Duel. There are never enough times to gamble. Not, never. But, let's try again, everyone. There are never enough things to gamble on. And the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. Best part is... Now, there's a new way to play the ponies, especially if you are brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at trucks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your stable today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against our stables. You can even follow them in the app, and we can compare our stats. This Saturday, something special for y'all. This Saturday, tune in to SGP and Stable Duel live stream. Sean Ryan, a horse racing expert, Malcolm talking ponies. Plus, you have a chance to win twenty-five thousand dollars. Live on YouTube, eight thirty Pacific, eleven thirty East. This Saturday, so make sure you download Stable Duel. StableDuel.com, download the app, see how many winners you can pick in your stable, and we'll see you in the winner's circle. Play race and win at Stable Duel. Alright. This card is UFC 272, and it will be going down this Saturday night from T Mobile Arena, Paradise Nevada, AK Las Vegas. Um what else can I tell you about it? No title. It's it's a rare UFC pivot that has no title fights on the top. So we'll see how this one um does does in terms of pay-per-view sales and whatnot um i usually ask dan his thoughts on uh picking winners on the card i'll throw my thoughts at first i found a lot of lines i do not like on this card dan um i didn't find too much value i was surprised by a lot of how high a lot of the lines and people i, I was i was picking winners for was so i wasn't a big fan of picking making picks on this card
0: yeah i'll back you on that one uh it was terrible uh i yes. also had a couple of ones where i was like. Man, I was so close to pulling the trigger on the underdog just because I thought it was more of a coin flip fight. Uh, and yep. then the odds were, like, close enough that I I think I wound up swinging back to the favorites on a couple of them. There's one or two of them that I'm probably going to make a pick on the fly here because, like, I, it's that close to me. Like, they're yep. that much of a coin flip fight. So uh, we'll see where I land on a couple of them.
1: Yeah, um, I, I was having trouble finding... Underdogs, I, I found value in, and um, I, I may flip-flop, too, as as we hash out the details on some of these fights. So let's get things started. Early prelims are on ESPN+. Plus. I believe it's a 6 p.m. start time, UFC+, Plus and UFC Fight Pass, the 6 Eastern, that would be. Uh, we start off with the light heavyweight banger, Michael Olosaychuk versus Dustin Jacoby. Uh, the Hanyak is just Dustin Jacoby, who was on the Top Turtle MMA podcast last week talking to Dan. And Hussar, or is it Hussar? Hussar, Hussar? What's Ola, Ola Cechuk's Ola nickname, Dan?
0: I think it's Hussar, and it means, um, if I'm not mistaken, it also, it means like a cavalryman in Polish.
1: Oh, so we have two Polish soldiers, because the Hanyak's a Polish thing too, isn't it? Like so rowdy rem- Polish if, soldier or something? If I
0: remember, it's basically like the Polish word for like ruffian or hooligan. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's what uh, Jacoby's grandma used to call him.
1: <laughs> yes, there you go. Dan's got the insight. All right, let's tell you. Ola Sechuk first. 16-4, 1-0 no contest. 11 knockouts, one submission on his record. He's been knocked out once, submitted three times, so every one of his losses have come via finish. He's 4-2 with one no contest in the UFC. He's won two straight fights, though. Uh, last one via TKO. He used to fight down at middleweight. He was a regional champ coming on the come-up before he got to the UFC. Seven years younger than Jacoby, plus 160. Jacoby, sixteen five and one 10 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. He's 4-2-1 in the UFC over two stints, but the most recent stint is the he's, what, 4-1-1, one, one, I believe, over since he's been re-signed with the UFC. That that's, includes... That's correct, yep. that's Of course it's correct. Um, <laughs> that includes two straight wins and undefeated in seven straight fights. Um, he was one in all the Contender Series as well, 0-2 in Bellator, 0-1 in World Series of Fighting. He made his debut in 2010. He also was a regional champ. Uh, he also was a champion kickboxer, where he went 10-8. and 8. Uh, He was a pro boxer, where he went 1-0. He's three inches taller than Ole Sejok, two inches of reach on him, more active striker, minus 200. We'll let Mr. The Olympic 1st All
0: right, I'm going to go with Dustin Jacoby here. Um, while I have liked the resurgence of Michael Ole I, I find th- what, what he's done lately as being borderline impressive, like, I, I, I think – The fact that he lost those first fights, I thought he was never going to get another fight. All of a sudden, his power is really working out. I'm high on Ole Shezhak, and if you gave him another matchup, I might pick him uh, because I've got a good background on him. So the only problem I have with it, though, is that he's fighting a guy who's the worst possible matchup for him. He's a big power puncher who's looking for people to mess up. They gave him a technical kickboxer who is going to be impossible to catch messing up. So, yeah, I I love Dustin Jacoby in this fight. I think it's a great matchup for him. I think also he's probably going to tire Ola Shejok out, probably pepper his legs, do a lot of damage there. Um, A lot of reasons for, like, Dustin Jacoby in this fight.
1: Yeah, I'm picking Jacoby as well, but this is one of the ones where I thought the line could be a little closer than it is, minus 200. seems a little high because, you know, Ola has, as as you mentioned, has looked good as of late, but... Uh, And he's a finisher. But Jacoby is the pick as well. I would have liked to get a better line. But, hey, that goes for every fight we're picking here. All right. uh, Moving on to lightweights. Devontae Smith, Ludovic Klein. Uh, Klein is Mr. Highlight. Smith is King Cage. Uh, I'll tell you about Klein first. He's taking this fight on short notice. Something to keep uh, in your mind because let's let's check the stats now. Short notice fighters in 2022 are winning 31% of the time. And overall, over the past like three years or however long we've been doing this podcast, at least, maybe even longer, uh, 38%. So it's not a winning proposition to take a fight so short notice. Um, all right, so he is 11-3 overall. Nope, wrong guy. He's 17-4 overall, eight knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. He's 1-2 in the UFC. He won his debut, lost two straight, last one via submission. He used to fight at featherweight. This one is up at lightweight. Uh, he was missing weight in the past, so maybe that's why this one's at, at uh, lightweight now. Uh, two years younger than Smith, plus 165. Smith, King Cage. That's spelled incorrectly. K-A-G-E, um, for the record. I'm an editor. I know these things. He's 11-3. Ten knockouts, one submission. Everything's a finish for him. And it's killer b be killer because he's been knocked out three times. So he's never gone to the, to, to the finish, to the decision. He's 5-2 and two in the UFC. He's got loss-win-loss. Over his last three fights. lost last fight via TKO. He's 1-0 in the contender series. He's 2 inches taller than Klein. 4 inches reach on him. He's uh, striking stats in his favor. Plus he's 1.5 times more active uh, landing strikes than Klein. Plus grappling stats in his favor. Minus 170. Um, I will be taking Smith in this one. Um, everything seems to be lining up in his favor here. Um, Klein's on a slump. Uh, Smith has the reach on him and um, is is the more active striker. So he's going to be using that reach. So uh, I definitely like Smith at minus 170 in this one. Seven,
0: yeah, I agree with you on that too. And I will also add to the effect of, uh, you know, you talking about him being the more active striker. Ludovic Klein is a guy who likes to sit and wait and pick his shots, which is fine because he is a, he's a sniper. That That's a really great style for him to fight. However, in a fight where he's got such a reach disadvantage, I just see that playing really negatively in his favor. He also works into the clinch a lot in a lot of his fights, and Devontae Smith, not a takedown artist by any means, not a guy who shoots a bunch of takedowns. I think he's got one attempt in his career and one succeed, uh, and it was because Justin James got in the clinch with him, and he hit this weird backwards scoop trip, which was very cool. Um, But he's not a wrestler. But I will say this is he counters wrestling incredibly well, and he turns off of the cage well. I think that's going to really bust up looted at Klein, too, because he hits elbows on the escapes. He he hits trips, and if he does those types of things, he's really deadly on the top. So you're going to get a guy who's got better reach, and even if Klein gets in on the inside, I I really don't see it working out too well for him. So this is one of the ones where I was like, do you pick the underdog just because you're getting dog money and it is a close fight? And then, yeah, I think the reach and the short notice thing just kind of sways this one to Devontae Smith.
1: Yes, indeed. All right, we're on the same page. Again, let's move on to flyweights. Tim Elliott versus... Tajir Ulobekov. Um, No nicknames for any of these guys, unfortunately. Uh, Elliot, 17, 12 and 1, three knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted five times. He's 6-10 and 1 in the UFC uh, over two stints. Not that great, but he, he's he's been okay over his last three. He's gone 2-1 over his last three. Um, over his last six, that's a different story. 2 and 4 over his last six, and he lost his last fight. He used to fight at bantamweight. He was in the Ultimate Fighter where he went 4-0 and earned himself. He cut a shot against Demetrius Johnson where. He, he won the first round, technically. Did he not on the scorecards? He did, yep. Yes. Very good fight. Um, He was the Titan FC champ Uh, in between. was it, I think it was in between his UFC it, stint. It was in between, uh, yep. There you go. See, I'm right on everything tonight. Everyone tell me. <laughs> uh, debut, 2009. Debut. Striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats in his favor. Plus 200. Willem beckoff 14-1. Two knockouts, six submissions. Never been finished in the fight. Two and all in the UFC. He's won five straight fights overall. He has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Uh, he's got four inches of reach on Elliot. He's five years younger. Minus two seventy eight. Over to you.
0: I'm gonna go with Tim Elliott. I, I think. He's I was thinking...
1: thinking about flipping there too.
0: Oh man, dude, it, More... it, it, it's a crazy value in this fight. Like, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. First of all, it's insane that Tim Elliot against just about any flyweight in the whole world is a two to one underdog. That already is insane. Because like, look if you told me you were going to pair him with Brandon Moreno tomorrow, I'd give him plus 250, maybe. Because look, not that Brandon Moreno isn't better, Tim Elliott has been game in every single fight he's ever had. He he was game against Demetrius Johnson. He went a full 25 minutes and, and won some grappling scrambles. Like, the dude grapples so well, you can't ever count him out of fights. He's got great submissions, his striking's right there, and since he's been working with James Krause, he looks better. The only reason he lost to Matthews Nikolaou was because he accepted the bottom position, right? In both the second and the third round, he looked for submissions and accepted that bottom position. I don't think you'll see him make that mistake again. So here against Tagir Olambekov, who I actually think has got – he's good at offensively wrestling, but his defensive wrestling actually leaves a little bit to the imagination. I think Tim Elliott is going to win these scrambles. I think he's going to look better on the feet. Dude, I can't believe we're getting him at plus 200. I, I This, spoiler alert, will be one of my recommended plays because Tim Elliott at that kind of money is insane.
1: Yeah, Tim Elliott is always in every fight he's in, basically. Very, very tough guy to match up against. And even if you're looking at stats, every all all the key indicators are in his favor, striking, active striking. Grappling, all that's in his favor. He, so
0: he was beating Brandon Royval. Can we talk about that? The, like he was beating Brandon can Royval. Can talk about it. He was beating Brandon Royval. He was beating Brandon Royval. He was beating Matthews Nikolau, and we're now going to call him an underdog against Tagir Ualbakhov. Come on, Ualbakhov's coming off of a split decision win based on just laying on top of somebody and not going for anything. You ain't gonna be able to do that to Tim Elliott.
1: There you go. Um, yeah, this is one of the ones I was iffy on. Rich I just went with the. With the chalk, but then more I was reading today and then thinking about I was going to flip to Elliot, and Dan solidified it for me. So there you go. There's a big plus 200 dog for you out there. All right. Featherweight, the early prelim main event, so to speak, Brian Kelleher versus Umar Nurmagomedov. There's that name again, Nurmagomedov. Um Is this... Uh, we say it every time. Is this the, uh, the real cousin? This is the fake cousin, is it not?
0: I believe this is his real one, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Umar, I believe, is actually related to him. Which I think, when you look at a picture of him, you're like, oh yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. Hopefully, he's in better shape than Habib is right now. Uh, yeah.
0: Habib, Habib's, a, Habib's, Habib's a big. Habib looked
1: boy. a little puffy. Habib's a
0: big boy. Habib. Well, and, yes. and did you did you see that he interview is. with him in um? It, oh, it's his. No. Is it his brother? No, it's his cousin. It's his cousin. Um his brother is Usman Nurmagomedov, um who you might know from okay. uh Bellatorian having the coolest yeah. name in MMA right now. Um <laughs> Usman <Yeah>. Nurmagomedov. <laughs> um but, yeah, it, did you hear the interview he had with um, Megan O'Levy where he said she, like, asked him about whether or not he was bigger, and he was like, yeah, I don't have to trade anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you, Amazing. Uh, amazing what not training will do for you. Um, all right, let's break down this fight. Boom, Kelleher, 24 and 12, eight knockouts, ten submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted six times. He's eight and five in the UFC. He's one two straight. though. Nope. Uh, he's been bouncing around between bantamweight and featherweight. This one is up at featherweight this time. What do you think is the best weight class for him before, before I go on? He seems to be all over the place. This guy. I,
0: I think bantam. Uh, you know, okay. like, mo- most of the time he's moving up to featherweight. It's just because he like doesn't want to cut. Um, yeah. And, and the guy he's fighting does well, and and then the guy he's fighting doesn't either. Because like if you look at the dudes he's fighting, in the, yeah. a lot of times he's not fighting a featherweight at featherweight. A lot of times he's fighting. A Bantamweight, like Cody Staman was, is not a, a featherweight either, but they fought at featherweight. So, you know, like yep. there, there's a couple of times he's done that. I mean, he fought Ode Osborne up at featherweight or at Bantamweight, and Ode Osborne's a, a flyweight. So, I, I mean, like, it's a lot of people moving divisions and just kind of for convenience sake.
1: Yes. All right. There we go. Um, he's a regional champ or was a regional champ. He's, he was 0-2 in Bellator as well. He's been around since 2011. That's when he made his pro-debut. He's a more active striker of the two men. He's at plus 180. All right, um, Cousin Umar. We can call him Cousin. That could be a nickname for him. He can be Cousin Umar. He's 13-0, one knockout, six submissions. He's 1-0 in the UFC via submission, but that was way back uh, January 2021. He's been out for over a year. He was 2-0 in PFL before this. He's 2 taller in Kelleher, 3 inches of reach on him, 10 years younger. Striking and end, grappling stats in his favor, minus 750. Uh, no value here, but I will be taking Cousin Umar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like if you're looking for value in this, like Brian Kelleher by submission is probably the only thing that brings me any.
1: Kelleher by by submission? Yeah,
0: because I'm saying like Brian Kelleher's got a great guillotine. Like if you're yeah. looking, if you're looking for value, I, I think that's the only place you're gonna find it. Because like Kelleher by submission is gonna be like plus 1800. That's an insane line. Um, you're gonna get 18 to one money on it. You know, like if you want to sprinkle on that and just play like a little bit there, but otherwise. Like, I, I wouldn't bet this fight. U- Umar Nurmagomedov is going to win. How he's going to win? Kind of up in the air. Kelleher's tough as nails. Yeah. He sometimes thinks, you know, Umar sometimes thinks he's a striker and throws some, some strikes. And sometimes he's going to go for a sub. So, like, I, I'm not liking any of those props either. So, I, I just think, yeah, pick Umar to win based on because we're d and we have to put 100 on every fight. Uh, But, man, yeah, I, I don't like this fight from a betting perspective. We have to. We have to.
1: <laughs> we have to have we have to we're have to. all right we're four <laughs> what' we're, we're all locked up four and0 oh. um we're we are 6 percent uh fights that right are uh are locked in on we hit 61 percent of the time this year we're at 66 percent so we're overperforming on our on our um on our locks also of note while I'm looking at stat's favorites are winning seventy percent of the time uh this year rather than the usual like 66 percent so do you think you think it's the matchup thing, or do you think this is just going to revert back down to 66 before, before we know it within the next few few events?
0: I don't know how much of it is a matchup thing. I will say there is another large chunk of late replacements, which sometimes kind of yeah. messes that up, right? Especially if they're not like, you know, when they're Islam Makashev versus Bobby Green type matchups, like, yeah. the, you're going to get more favorites winning. So I think some of it's that. Some of it might be. Um, you know, just pure matchup stuff. But bottom line is it's going to – everything regresses to the mean. That's how math works.
1: Yep, that is how math works. This is not a math podcast, but sometimes it is. <laughs> it's um, a math podcast. All right. But that would <laughs> – I'm sure there is math podcasts out there, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I just don't know if they're popular or not. Um, speaking of popular, SGPN app. Have you got it yet? You should if you don't already. Uh, we're live in the App Store at Google Play gives easy access to all our picks, all our podcasts, all our giveaways. The bosses are always giving away money rather than give it to Dan and myself. They're just giving it to you, the gens that, that enter the contest, so, but that's fine. Um, so make sure you download the app, throw up an app review. Don't actually throw it up. Put down an app review, and uh, all will be well in the world of the Degens and SGPN. All right, moving on to... Prelims, the main prelims, ESPN, ESPN Plus, 8 p.m. Eastern. We start off with the grudge match. Women's Flyweight. This is the grudge match, right? Moroz was the one who called Agapov of a junkie, correct?
0: Yes, correct. This is, this is the only actual grudge match on this fight. And, by the way... Yes. If you listen to the Top Turtle on the May podcast, you can hear what Maria Agapova has to say about those uh those really? accusations. Yeah. <laughs>
1: was she uh was she shooting up heroin while she was talking to you or not?
0: She she was or not. she not that kind of junkie? She, she is she uh, <laughs> says that pretty much everything I'm not gonna give away the lead. Listen to the episode. It's all it's right. interesting. Her, I
1: almost got it up for you everyone her, her, reason,
0: her reason uh she she denies it obviously all of the accusations, but also she has a reason why she thinks Marina Miraz is doing it. So yeah extra
1: juicy. Boy, oh boy! All right. Anyhow, this is and Dan also let you know this is the only real grudge match. Uh, let you know that the, the <laughs> former best, the former best friends who hate each other now in the main event, uh, maybe maybe playing that up a bit. So, all right, women's flyweight: Marina Moroz versus Maria Agapova. Ag, Agapo – Why why am I butchering her name, Dan? Agapova. 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 It's
0: actually, it's actually ag- Agapova.
1: Agapova.
0: Yeah, it's oh a gop,
1: It's a who's, who's the junkie now, Dan? Um, <laughs> th- th- putting aside all the the um, the feud and the the harsh words, this is a good matchup, regardless. Um, even if it's not a grudge match, because it's in her favorite weight class, one of her favorite weight classes. All right, Moroz is the Iron Lady. Agapov, is that it? Agapov.
0: Agapova. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> agapava. Agapava.
1: You, agapava. you added a V at the
0: end. <laughs> I did.
1: Agapova <laughs> is the demon slayer. Did she tell you about slaying any demons? I guess that could also be go uh hand in hand with what Morose was claiming about her too, but um I'm picturing like actual demons.
0: I I not, actually like, didn't even realize that was her nickname. Can you know I like a good nickname story? I I didn't you even do. know that was her nickname while I was interviewing her and I saw it on her Instagram this morning.
1: Dan did not do his homework, which is um I'm sad to, sad to hear that, Dan. All right, Morose, like I said, why is she the Iron Lady? I don't know. Do you know why she's the Iron Lady? I don't, Before we get no. too bogged down here,
0: she's the second Iron Lady too. Did you know that?
1: Uh, yes, uh, because Jermaine Durandamy is also yes! an Iron Lady. Is she? very, very yeah, good. <laughs> well, she's not obscure. She was a champion for crying out loud, a fighting champion, mind you. An she wouldn't back down from champion. a challenge. <laughs> she would never back down from a challenge. All right, Moreau is ten and three, one knockout, five submissions. Never been finishing a fight. Five and three in the UFC. She's won two straight. She used to fight down a weight class of strawweight. She's an inch taller, plus 165. The Demon Slayer, Agapova. There you go. Ten and two. Three knockouts, five submissions. She's been knocked out once. She's two and one in the UFC. She's gotten a win-loss-win over her career. She won the submission in her last fight. She was two and oh and evicted before this. And oh one in the Contender Series. She's got an inch of reach Emerald, six years younger. Let's check the, well, we can. Let's check the age thing. Fighters that are five years or younger than their opponent this year are winning 61% of the times. So there you go. Something to keep in mind. Striking and active striking stats in her favor. Grappling in her favor. Minus 210. Uh, over to you.
0: I, I'm going Agapova. And not just because... Agapova. Yeah. not just because I interviewed her, but really, I think she has so many advantages in this fight. And actually, I only think the line is as close as it is at negative 210 because she's coming off of a, a nice win over, over Sabina Mazo, but before that, had that very weird loss to Shanna Dobson, who yeah. was levels and levels below her. But at the end of the day, that loss was pretty much just because she gassed herself out. Um, and she proved that First of all, her gas tank isn't a problem. She took Sabina Mazzo into the third round, and not only took her into the third round, but had finishing ability with her hands and her grappling in that round. She popped her with a big shot that probably would have finished her, and instead of going for the kill with the hands, she jumped on her back and took the submission. So, like, Agapova showed me everything I need to see there in the bounce back, but for some reason, the line I, I thought the line would be way wider than this, and it, it winds up being a lot closer. So, I think she's going to have an easy time with Miraz, especially being how long Miraz has had out. So, yeah, I'm I'm going Agapava all day here.
1: I thought the line was a little um, too steep for, for my liking, but um, don't forget, Agapova was still a junkie that fight down that you're talking about where she was she looked bad so there you go now she's not a junkie right so um, it was, Rose there has been was a, a <laughs> there was a
0: coaching change in there too as well which is worth noting yeah she, she did go yeah, to she camps not not only switch camps but um started working with somebody who was helping her with the mental side of the game too and in pacing herself yep. and stuff like that so that there is a big change there in her between that mazo fight and that Shannon dodson fight
1: And uh, as Dan alluded to, I forgot to mention, uh, March 2020 was the last fight for Moro. So do you know why she's been out two years? I mean, there were injuries in there. I assume being – But she's iron. She's made of iron, though.
0: I I assume also from – you know, I I think she's U.S.-based, but I think the pandemic and probably going back to seeing her family and stuff like that probably uh, threw some wrenches into certain contests, too. So I'm not sure all of the reasons, but, um, you know, there's obviously many of them.
1: Yes. Is it? She, does she get too much iron in her diet? Could that be a problem?
0: Uh, I don't. I don't know. Would that stop you from? Fighting? Is that why she's called that? Would that stop you from fighting? <laughs>
1: I don't know. Well, I guess if you had an enormous amount, I'm sure. I'm sure something would happen to you. Is that why she's called Iron Lady, Dan?
0: I'm gonna. I'm gonna say no. I don't think okay. it's an, It's about iron deficiency or surplus.
1: <laughs> All right. Agapova is my pick too. Uh, by the way, she's one of those. One of those. Um, Many, many women's flyweight up-and-comers that, uh, that I'm excited about. So, um, good to see her not fighting another one of the up-and-comers, which the UFC likes to do in women's flyweight and strawweight. All right, light heavyweights. Nikolai Nagomorano. Nagomorano? Nagomorano. Right, isn't it? Negumorano. 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 I like to say gum uh, versus Kennedy Enzichukwu. This is a good uh, last name matchup. Enzichukwu is the African savage. Not, that's not my opinion. That's his nickname, okay? Um, I don't know what the gummy the gummy gummy bear. That's what his nickname is going to be, Dan. Tell tell Nikolai his new nickname's gummy bear. I okay.
0: don't I don't think I'll do that, but sure, okay, right, whatever.
1: whatever. Right. Uh, it wasn't a very good one. I have to admit, uh, even <laughs> even by my even by my standards, didn't even get an oof
0: because it wasn't good. No, enough.
1: <laughs> not even worthy of a oof. All right, um, the gummy man is 11 and one, seven knockouts, three submissions, two won the UFC. He's won two straight fights. The last fight via TKO. He used to fight at heavyweight. He was regional champ. On um, the come up, he was two years. He's two years younger than Enzichukwu. Grappling stats in his favor, plus one fifteen. Uh, Enzichukwu, nine and two, six knockouts. He's been knocked out himself once. He's three and two in the UFC. He lost via knockout in his last fight. He was two and on the contender series. He also used to be at heavyweight. He's five inches of height over Nagamura. Nagamura uh, five inches of reach. Oh yeah, this back to the stats reach. Okay, fighters who have four inches of reach or more over their opponent or winning 58% of the time, so um, pretty pretty decent. Not overwhelmingly good, but good enough. Uh, striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 145. Ends the Chukwu is my pick. Yeah, I'm going with him. Size, yeah. striking, all that jazz. Go ahead. And, so. and
0: this is one of the times, you know, like I know you love to, to lean on the, the reach advantages and stuff like this, but this is one of the times... I think it is really important to look at that, because if you look at Nagumaranu's yeah. fight with Alexa Kamer, he he did a lot of chasing of Alexa Kamer, and, like, reaching and trying to... Like, he doesn't cut off angles well in the cage, and then he gets frustrated, and he throws kind of, like, long, looping shots. And he's fighting a guy with incredible reach who's good at staying away, and, and counters and hits people hard, as we saw that you could do that too, um Carlos Allberg when he came back from you know absolutely being beaten to a pulp and that's the other thing about Kennedy too is that like with the exception of the Daun Jung fight where he did get knocked out he is a guy who does an excellent job of taking a punch and rebounding from it I mean he he was basically out against Carlos Ulberg. he was basically out about, against Denimo Marquez and he just came back and won both of those fights so I don't think Nagumaranu's got the finishing ability to get him out of there and in addition to that I think he's going to be chasing Kennedy Zuchuku the whole fight. So, yeah, I'd love Kennedy Zuchuku in this one, too.
1: Not a good idea chasing the guy with uh, the reach and the power that Instachuku has. So, there you go. Still on the same page. Next one. A couple of fighters who I like saying the one name, you like saying the other name. So, let's let's do this in tandem. Win draw straw weight. Marina Hot versus...
0: Yan Nan.
1: <laughs> There's teamwork. <laughs> teamwork for you. Um, all right. Nan is... Fury and Nine. She has two nicknames. She's 13-2 with one no contest. She knocked out five people uh, in her career. She's been knocked out herself once and submitted once. So both of her losses via finish. 6-1 in the UFC. Uh, she had a six-fight win streak, which got halted last fight. Uh, she lost via TKO. Uh, she made her debut in 2009. She's two years younger than Hot Higuez. More active striker. Plus 205. Hot Higuez, 15-1-2. Six knockouts. One submission. Five, one, and two in the UFC. She's won three straight fights. She used to fight at Flyweight. She was one and one in the Contender Series. She's an inch taller than Nan And two inches of reach on her, minus 270. Daniel.
0: So I'm going to take Marina Rodriguez, um, for multiple reasons. But number one is I predicted her yep. to be the champion at the end of the year. So why the hell wouldn't I pick her? Um, But also yep. in this one, too, like th- the big difference maker for me in this fight is Yan Xiaonan Nan is a fighter that relies on volume, she throws tons of it, right? Her whole idea is she's going to hit you with 120 strikes, and hopefully that's enough to win the fight. But here's the problem. Marina Rodriguez is very hard to hit, and in addition to it being hard to hit, when she returns with a punch, your head snaps back. And for me, that's going to be hard on the judges to score a fight for Yan Nan on her volume, if she's getting smoked every single time she comes in. And I don't think she's going to even land that much. Plus, in addition to that, Marina Hadigas kind of showed that, like, she's not going to be out-grappled by Jan Shonan. Like, Mackenzie Dern couldn't out-grapple her. Jan Shonan's not going to either. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of reasons to like Marina Hadigas. I, I do want to say, you know, the line's bigger than I was expecting it to be, but I, I'm still pretty confident that she's the right play here.
1: Yep, Hadigas is my pick. I believe I, I had her as champ, too, at the end of the year. I think that was one of the ones we, we lined up on. Um, Yeah, I obviously I- – I would have liked a better line as well, but um, I understand it. She is probably next in line if, if she uh, can win this fight. Um, yeah, because there's um, that's one of the weight classes. Rose has no one lined up, right?
0: Uh, She's supposed to fight Carla Sparza, but there's like a weird – they haven't booked that yet. Um, yeah. I think it might be an international fight week kind of fight. So, you know, the timeline might not wind up rin- lining up for Marina yeah. Javigas. She might have to take one more, which would kind of suck, but – Th- the top women in this division are not taking fights with her right now. Like you J doesn't want to fight her, nor does Li Zhang. So, you know, who knows who she's going to fight next after this, but you know, I, I like her in pretty much any fight. That's not Li Zhang and you J check. And I think she'd probably be tough fights for either of them too.
1: Yep. Very true. All right. We'll go to the main event of the prelims. Jillian Turner, Jamie Malarkey, uh, Turner's the tarantula. Malarkey is No. His middle name, his nickname is No. Dan, No Malarkey. Okay, is that, that, <laughs> hey, that's not any better either. Hey, I, I think I, I did that one already. Anyway, that always I got that, was, that always got an a. I know. I think I did that last time. He fought too. So that's, I'm using old material now too. Uh, malarkey, 14 and four, ten knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out himself twice. He's two and two in the UFC. However, he's won two straight fights, both via a form of knockout, technical slash technical knockout. He was multiple regional champion, uh, used to fight at featherweight. This one is up at the lightweight. He's at plus-128. Uh, the Tarantula, Jalen Turner, 11-5, and five, eight knockouts, three submissions, so everything is a finish for him. He's been knocked out himself three times. He's 4-2 and two in the UFC. He's won three straight, all via finish. Looked very impressive. He used to fight at welterweight. He was 1-0 in the contender series, 2-0 and o in Bellator, and 1-0 and o in World Series of Fighting. He's 3 inches of height, 3 inches of reach. on Malarkey, strike in. Twice more active striker than Malarkey. Grappling, also in his favor, minus 160. Tur- Turner, for me, that's a slam dunk. Everything is pointing towards Turner in this fight. All the stats, all the all the vitals, everything, uh, plus the way he's looked recently. So I, I like him at minus 160.
0: Yeah, and I, I also like how he's kind of fallen back on his grappling a little bit. It, it's really given me an extra reason to like him in this fight with Jamie Malarkey because – Not that Malarkey isn't good, and I've loved Malarkey's hands. I I think he's doing really impressive things lately. But at the same time, like, Jalen Turner has got the hands and the reach to kind of deal with Jamie Malarkey. And then in addition to that, when you add in the fact that the dude can wrestle a little bit, and when he's on top of you, man, he's a killer. He's a guy who, like – I mean, you said he's coming off a back-to-back submission wins, and and he's a guy we largely know as a striker. So he's really rounding his game out, and I think ultimately – that's going to be the undoing for Malarkey, that he's got to pay attention to all those different facets of the game. So, yeah, uh, I think we're going the same on all eight of the prelims here, uh, and I'm picking Jalen Turner, too.
1: We are. We are. Jalen Turner submitted, Euros Medich submitted, Brock Weaver, uh, tko Joshua Kulabau. So, not exactly a murderer's row. Of Are any of those people still in the UFC?
0: Uh, I believe Kulabau. is? is and okay. I think Medich is, but... If I'm not mistaken, he's on a two-fight losing streak, so he might not be very much longer. Yes. Um, okay. Oh no, he actually won his first two fights before he got subbed by Jalen Turner. Um, he won a contender fight and go. then he knocked out Alon Cruz.
1: All right, but anyhow, um, he, he's low good regardless. So, all right, so that wraps up the prelims. All of, uh, all, of us, all of us, all of us, all two of us are on the same <laughs> page. But, uh, all of us here, uh, all my multiple personalities and, and Daniel. Um, so that uh, concludes that. Normally, this is where I give you um, some more of our uh, lovely sponsors, but I don't have any more. Instead, Dan has a very special feature for you here. Take it away, Dan.
0: Yeah, so be- before we get on to the main card, I did do a special segment that we wanted to bring to you guys this week. I'm talking with gambling expert, going to have boots on the ground for UFC 272, Nick Diaz. So we're going to bring you that interview right now. Uh, so – Cue some kind of interesting transition music that I have. All right, guys, so we got a little treat for you here. We have abandoned Jeff Fox today, and we are going a little bit off script with a guest host for just a little bit. Joining me today is the lamb, Nick Davis, who is the host of the Veteran Minims podcast, Upsets and Underdog podcast. He's a jiu-jitsu blue belt, and he's going to be over at UFC 272. So we thought we'd take a break right here in the middle of this podcast to bring you – some of the goodness from somebody who is going to be with his feet on the ground. Nick, how you doing today, man?
2: Dude, what an intro. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of the brand. Uh, I will say Sean could have picked a better football team to root for, but we'll save that for a different conversation. <laughs> Are, listen, not everyone's perfect, you know? Well,
0: well I, I just got to ask then because, you know, you just said you insulted his football team. I know you're a New York guy, so d- do I have to – Oh, I, I have to ask are you, you Giants guy.
2: I'm a Giants. Guy, oh, man. so
0: you you realize you just agreed to chat uh for for a period of time with a Cowboys fan, so this probably <laughs> didn't get any better. Um, you probably begging for the Eagles fan by the end of this. So, uh, but anyway, we're here to talk about fights, and obviously UFC 272 is an absolutely. I mean, I guess it's kind of a weird event because it's one of the first times we've seen a headliner that's on a pay-per-view that's not a title fight and doesn't involve Conor McGregor, which is, you know, it usually either has Conor McGregor or a title fight, or sometimes both or, or two title fights. So, you know, you're heading to this event. What, what sort of drew you to of, of all of the events to head out to Vegas for this one?
2: So I want to mention that you're right, that it's not a title fight or it's not a Conor fight, but the last time that I remember a pay-per-view headlined by a non title Conor, <laughs> kind of guy was Jorge Mazadal, the BMF championship well that's was... a
0: title fight no I'm just kidding <laughs> right, right
1: so a, a real
2: title right uh that was an MSG and I went to that card and dude honestly I've become such a massive fan of the UFC I have a very close friend of mine Jared Flash Gordon fights at 155 145 uh in the UFC from my neighborhood we grew up together and through creating content i've been able to network with a lot of people so long story short i always look for a reason to go to vegas <laughs> and i figured why not it's a fight weekend my birthday is actually the 11th so i'm like you know what let's kill two birds with one stone we make a birthday weekend we rage a little bit we see some fighting what's better than that you know daniel
0: absolutely so i, I gotta ask too so you know you said you know, you you got to see the the BMF, or you you know, you remember the BMF title, and and you remember the hype of a Masvidal fight. I feel like there is a little bit of hype behind this weekend's fight, and there is a little bit of you know buzz about it. But I, I don't know how much of it is is buzz on Masvidal and buzz on Colby coming. Did you feel like it, there's buzz on this rivalry, or do you feel like there's there's heat on this rivalry that we don't typically see?
2: So. I think some of the air has been taken away from both of these guys. Masvidal is still a big draw, thus why he's headlining this card with Colby. I think for us, who are the big fans of UFC and combat sports, we've been wanting this. We've been wanting this for a long time. They're trying to sell us on friend turned foe and all the hostility on the talk shows now i do think the card is a little lackluster top to bottom from a casual standpoint to bring casuals in one of the reasons why they always have connor headline a card and there won't need to be a title on the line is because people are going to tune in for connor i wish that the 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 Jan and Aljamain fight was, which was scheduled, would have been nice to have this on here. Uh, I believe it was Volkanovski too, might have been on there with with Max. So initially, this is the first Vegas pay per view of the year, the new calendar year, and you're saying to yourself, man, three title fights. Like if you have three title fights or two title fights, I should say, excuse me, and then you're headlining with with Colby and Masvidal, it's more appealing. But I agree with you, man. I I think that a little bit of the buzz has been taken away from these guys.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, too. And I like what you said about the fact that Jorge Masvidal seems to still be a big draw. And you didn't mention Colby, but, like, sort of by implication, you're mentioning there that Colby seems to have been less of a draw now. And it's it's almost like Masvidal's machismo or whatever you want to call it, the, the you know hype around him. The two losses doesn't seem to take away from that with him, which is kind of an interesting facet, whereas Colby – you know, his his whole macho, I'm the best there's ever been, when you lose twice you look like hell. You know, whereas Masvidal is just he's a gangster, right? Like that's what people like about him. He's a d he's another Diaz brother, basically, right? Yep. Is is that and people love that about him. So yeah, I, I think you're right about that. So, and you're right, top to bottom, not a huge card for people who uh, are casual fans. I mean, unless you, you know, are chipping really badly want to watch Greg Hardy, um, you know, Bryce Yuck. Mitchell. Yeah, right. Yuck. <laughs> um, I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't even like Greg Hardy. So, um, you know, Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barboza, you know, not tipping anybody's. Uh, hand and making them dig into their wallet to, to buy the pay-per-view. Hanato Moikano in the co-main event now. I love watching Hanato Moicano, but, again, not something typically you're going to get people to buy pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, did you already buy tickets before you knew that this is what the card looked like, or, or were you – did you pick this one out particularly?
2: No, we bought tickets beforehand. We just figured um, – my buddy, uh, Nick, also is his name, but we call him Boss – he uh he's never been to a fight in vegas so i just figured look dude you know we could go we could record some content being a part of blue wire as well and hit the studio up there let's make a weekend out of it why not so that was mainly the main reason why and i'm excited for fights anyway man any anything in the tri-state area for me i go to cffc cage fighting Fury yeah. championships often <laughs> that's a huge regional promotion they're on uh I believe fight pass for the UFC. They've had a lot of guys and girls graduate and go graduate. Uh, and go from there. It's, it's
0: graduated, so
2: pretty much, right? <laughs> so yeah, man. I, I just I just love fighting. I love fights. Uh, I'm fascinated by it. The the whole sport. And and my favorite thing now, Daniel too, is. It's becoming my favorite thing to bet on as well. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. So let's get to that. But before we do, I'm going to sneak an ad read in here. We are brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. March Madness is right around the corner, and PropSwap is your place to cash in on the big dance. Every season, PropSwappers make thousands of dollars by simply buying and selling college basketball teams. Like Ike from Idaho or Wes from Iowa, who sold a $250 30-to-1 Arizona to win the championship ticket. For 750 bucks on PropSwap, now's the time to find those Cinderella's while the odds and cash are out on PropSwap when the tourney starts. And when you're making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so that you can sell one for a profit and let it ride. PropSwap has thousands of buyers across the country, so you'll always find the best odds and collect the most for your money. Hurry and download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free ticket, activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale a loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to $500. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells bets. And that is a perfect segue into what we're talking about because we actually today, while we have the expert on the line here, We wanted to talk a little bit about prop betting on this one, because usually me and Jeff, we break down, as you guys know, all of the fights, or at least hopefully all of you guys know if you're tuning in for the first time. Enjoy the rest of the fights after we let this segment go. We usually break down all the fights. We give you our straight-up bets. Uh, At the end, we give you our best picks uh, and a crazy parlay to tail along on. But we usually don't dig that deep into props. So I wanted to ask you, Nick, let's start with the main event here, because obviously, you know, that's where people – love to put their money. It, it always makes the main event a little bit extra special. Is there prop or anything that you're chasing here or you're looking for, or you're keeping an eye on the line of for Covington Mass
2: So I want to just preface by saying how I approach just UFC betting in general. And I think this is such a fascinating fight because it checks off all the boxes as to how I go about prop betting, Daniel. So I personally want to say... I want Mazadol to win, but I think <laughs> it's a domination by Covington. I think Covington, I mean, I get some heat and, you know, so I don't know if I could curse on here, but I get some heat <laughs> from some of my friends and my fans. I think Colby is the uh, the best 170-er in the world, right? And I know it's it's kind of crazy since he's lost fight to Usman. But anyway, the first thing I like looking at is how can Mazadol win this fight? If it goes the distance, I can't see him winning a five-round decision. So automatically, if I'm going to bet mazadol he's plus 250. I'm not doing that. I'm betting him inside the distance. I'm betting him plus 400 via TKO knockout. Uh, I haven't seen Mazadol attempt a submission in God knows how long. He wants to put on a highlight. He wants that knockout. They've been drawing back and forth. So just off merit and to start, that's how I approach UFC betting. What is the clear path to victory for each fighter?
0: I, I love that too. And, and just kind of to your point, if you're looking back at Jorge Masvidal's you know, long, extensive record, and the dude's been fighting forever, he's fought 50 times in his career, you know, dating back to, I mean, if you can probably count more, if you're talking about him brawling in people's backyards, he's got two submissions. So you're 100% right, right? Like if you're betting Jorge Masvidal, there's no way he's going in there with a guy who throws eight times the volume he does. There's no way he goes in there and out-wrestles Colby Covington. So there's no way he's going to win a decision. I'm 100% with you on that one. So out of curiosity, so if you're loving Masvidal by knockout, or you think Masvidal by knockout at plus 400 is the value, are you then hedging a little bit by, by putting some money on Colby here? Are you are you, you know making sure that if, if he does lose that, are you playing the other side too?
2: So I think the most popular and trendy pick based on, I like to call him Bill at the bar. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the casual fan, when I ask them what the decision is going to be or, or how this fight's going to go is, everyone's saying five round domination by Colby, Colby by points. It's, it's minus 110. That's probably what I think is going to happen, but it's not my favorite prop for this fight.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Like, when you said, you know, and I just pulled up best fight odds to take a look at what what books are offering. Negative 110 seems like I I mean, it's crazy to think about a fight that's going to go five rounds. And we've got one thing that's giving you negative returns, Um, which like, you know, it, it is the most common outcome, right, or is the most likely thing to happen. But you're right. That, that's, you know, and spoiler alert for the later in the episode, that's probably what I'm going to pick here is I'm going to say Colby Covington wins this fight. I'm probably going to say he's going to win it by decision. But you're right. I, I'm probably staying away from Colby Covington props, uh, even if I'm trying to hedge my bet on the, the Jorge Masvidal side. But yeah, I, I don't like Colby Covington by decision all that much. Although, you know, that it, like you said, it's probably the most likely thing to happen. So, if you're you're liking Jorge Masvidal by knockout, and that's probably the only prop we're we're kicking around towards the top of the card. What what is the other what are the other main card fights that you're looking at as far as prop betting?
2: Well, I want to just add a little bit more to this fight, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. My I, I just have this image in my head of the cardio machine that is Colby, piling it on in the fourth and fifth round and getting a stoppage. Uh, he's not going to knock out Jorge, but I could see you know, Colby goes to the wrestling, something we haven't seen him do in his last couple of fights because he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, Usman was never taken down. I know there was a questionable <laughs> take down. Yeah. I was at that car too at MSG, but with Colby, I just think that the pace, the cardio, um, I think it's going to be too much for Jorge. And I think that he could wear him down and then just say a, a ground and pound sort of stoppage where, you hear Herb Dean or Keith Peterson saying "Fight back, fight back," and then Masvidal doesn't, and there's a stoppage there. So, the one that I'm going to do, you know, a little sprinkle, a little sprinkle. Mm-hmm. I like Colby to win by TKO in the fourth round, twenty six to one, and then in the fifth round,
0: twenty nine to one. yeah, and, and, and that makes sense too, right? Like it, you're you're basically, and on for for people who are looking for the. The technical – he's not going to put Jorge Masvidal. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, right? Like, right. But it's that that pure volume-based bullshit yes. TKO that Jorge Masvidal fans are going to talk about as being a bullshit stoppage for the rest of time.
2: Yeah, where he's just going to eat maybe 20 to 25 punches, <laughs> not contested. And I, I really think the way – because it plays to what Colby wants to do, right? He wants to wear him down. He wants to push the pace. He wants to pressure him and tire him out. And then I think it's more of a fatigue stoppage, you know. I'm sure you you told me before we started recording you're a purple belt. I'm a blue belt. Listen, man, there's been some times after five, six, five minute rounds of rolling where I do tap out to something that I shouldn't, right? But it's just like that's a fatigue tap out or a fatigue finish.
0: Well, yeah, especially when you start to get older, like like I am, and, and uh, you're you're surrounded by young bucks. I, I live just outside of a freaking college town, so I've got like a whole bunch of cardio monsters, uh, yeah, just like- <laughs> up on jacked up on testosterone. Yeah. yeah. But, but
2: to to end on to end on this fight, look, I think if, if the not the sure thing, but the way I would approach it is, Mazurda inside the distance is the only way I see him winning. And I think Colby wins a five-round decision, but there's something in me that just sees it stopping in the fourth or fifth round. You can get crazy odds on those. Like I said, 26 to one odds, 29 to one odds, TKO finish in the fourth or fifth for Colby Covington.
0: Yeah, and, and depending, you know, we don't usually talk units here. We play with a pretend hundred bucks. But like, if you if you're playing with a hundred bucks, and even if you just put five on that, if that catches, that's your night, right? Like that you're you're in the plus right there. So. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So I, I love that too. All right, so let's let's look a little bit down on the let's let's stay on the pay per view main card. We'll we'll dip into the prelims a little bit later, but let's talk about the pay per view main card, which did just get a shuffle. Which unfortunately, there were some props I really liked in that co event between uh, RDA and Rafael Fiziev, which now we can't even remotely talk about because now Fiziev has COVID, and we are talking about Hanato Mochano. And, of course, because this happened, oh, I don't know, uh, like four hours before uh, we went to recording, uh, we also have pretty much no props on it unless you want to bet that fight goes to decision or fight doesn't go to decision. So the three other fights we got on the main card here, uh, Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barboza, Alex Oliveira versus Kevin Holland, and, of course, Sergey Spivak versus the uh, aforementioned disgusting Greg Hardy. Um, so of those three, is there one that you like particularly when, when looking at prop bets?
2: Well, I think similar to Colby versus Mazdal, I think that Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barboza, that's thats a fight outside of the main event I'm the most excited for. Uh, I've been a Bryce Mitchell guy. I've been riding the Bryce Mitchell streak. Barboza now at 145 seems to make weight effortlessly, which was weird because at 145, <laughs> Isn't it crazy, dude? Like, something about these Brazilian fighters that when they're fighting at their original weight class, they start – having trouble cutting to it, but then they'll cut an extra class lower, and then all of a sudden everything is. Jose Aldo is a perfect example. of that. Jose
0: Aldo making 135. Dude, we talked for years. I, I talked for years about how all he's got to do is go up to lightweight, and he'd be beating Anthony Pettis for the title up there 100 years ago. And now he's down at 35 in the exact opposite direction. And as an old man, that's crazy shit. And, yeah, now we're seeing it with Edson Barboza. Man, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's a – it's a wild one. Maybe it's just like hiring a nutritionist. Thing. It's probably a hiring a nutritionist thing finally. But, um, yeah, no, that's a fight I'm super excited about. So let's talk about uh, props for that and probable outcomes because uh, it, it's a weird one in that, you know, we, we got Bryce Mitchell here who is seemingly a ground wizard, right? Like that's, that's yes. the thing everybody loves about him is his jujitsu is out of this world. His wrestling is good, not great, I would say. Uh, It it leaves a little bit to be desired, especially when it comes to holding opponents down. He gets people down pretty well. He he got Andre Thiele down, I think, six or seven times. Um, But he didn't, you know, obviously, if you take him down seven times, that means he got up a bunch, too. So, and then you got a guy in Edson Barboza who hasn't been submitted since coming down to featherweight. He actually hasn't been submitted unless you go all the way back to his fight with Tony Ferguson, and that was seven years ago now and he was badly cut and beat up in that fight um he got subbed by cowboy Cerrone in 2014 but apart from that those are the only two subs on his record way long ago at lightweight so uh, how do you how do you you know put those two pieces of information together where we got one guy who seemingly doesn't get subbed and one guy who loves the subs
2: yeah I think the way I see this one is I know the fight is favored not to go the distance uh, I could see it being a a two-to-one kind of score, you know, like a 29-28. I think it goes the distance. If I'm looking at props in particular, I agree with you. Like Mitchell to win by submission, I think a lot of people are going to be on that because everyone's going to see the twister that he hit yeah. in one of his fights. And, you know, he, uh, he said in an interview, I don't know what the forecast is going to be, but there might be a twister in Vegas. <laughs> so he's already hyping that up. And I think Barboza is tough, man. And you want to talk about the reason why I'm the most fascinated about this fight is this is a massive step up for Bryce Mitchell. Like Edson has fought, like you said, the who's who's, right? He's fought Gaethje. He's fought Khabib. He's fought uh, Ferguson. And, and like the list goes on and on. i like, Bryce Mitchell, all right, touchy-feely, cool, you know, respect to you. But this is a, a guy who's been a gatekeeper for the divisions he's been on. And you got to get through him to get a title shot kind of thing. Now, Bryce Mitchell, for me, the way I'm seeing it is I think he does win this fight, but Barboza, I think the only prop I would bet would be Barboza by TKO because that's how I think he does win the fight, though I think it goes the distance. If it goes the distance, I think it goes to Mitchell because his gas tank is better as well, but if I'm going to bet Barboza, I'd rather bet him plus 300 inside the distance via knockout or TKO as opposed to taking him plus 140.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely there, right? Because the other thing, too, is – and, and we've, we've actually seen judges get – despite the fact that people are shitting on judges all the time, uh, if you're ever on Twitter and looking at it, but like and, – and rightfully so if you're in the state of Texas. Um, but uh, they've been better at not just rewarding the person who's wrestling every single time. But the thing about Bryce Mitchell is he doesn't just wrestle, right? He he is constantly in search of both your back and a submission. And whether or not he gets it, sort of immaterial, right? Because he's doing that damage. He's in good positions. He's looking to advance. He's not just sitting in guard. But but I think, you know, you, you sort of make a good point. If it does go to decision, I, I think it's going to lean in his favor. I think he's going to have a lot of those positions. And it's also worth noting, too, that, like, you know, not that Edson Marboza is bad on the mat because he has a brown belt over Ricardo Almeida, who's, you know, was a really great submission specialist at his time in the UFC and has been a great jujitsu coach since then. But he does get taken down a lot. You know, like Makwan Amir Khani got him down a bunch of times. You know, I, I remember watching the Habib and the Kevin Lee fights back to back. And obviously Kevin Lee and Habib are on a completely different level than Bryce Mitchell is. But like, I remember thinking, like, oh, Habib drew the game plan for everybody because then Kevin Lee followed it. Dan Ige tried to follow it to an extent. Maquan Amirikani was on his way to following it before he he started getting lit up on the feet a little bit. So, like, I think Bryce Mitchell's got enough in him to to follow that too. Um, So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he probably gets it done there, and it's probably knockout or bust for Barboza. So I, I'll put you a little bit on the spot then. Do you like the over – Two and a half rounds straight up, uh, or are you looking for a decision crop here for, for Bryce Mitchell?
2: No, I like that. I like that the over two and a half rounds. I think it's essentially you get the same odds, minus one twenty in either direction. Um yeah, man, I think I think ultimately it goes the distance because Mitchell isn't a guy who really gets finishes via stoppage unless it's submission and Barboza has been hasn't been subbed. So I think it could be one of those things where he constantly is going for the takedowns and tires up Barboza because he doesn't want to get hit. I think Barboza is going to throw one switch kick, and he's going to be like, yep, we got to take this to the ground.
1: Yeah, I, so I, 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 I if know he I, gets one. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I like that. I like that play. And it's also a little safer, right, because if it goes over two and a half rounds, you're not really worried about any judges. You just want the fight to go past that mark. So that's that's how I would approach this fight.
0: And that also saves you, I will say, too, from the, the like, late Bryce Mitchell exhaustion finish, too, because, yeah. you know, like, we we actually did see that with Edson Barboza uh, in, you know, I, me- I keep mentioning that Kevin Lee fight. It was three fucking years ago, but I'll mention it anyway. Kevin Lee got a late doctor stoppage at five minutes in, or the fifth round with, like, two or three minutes into the fifth round, which means that, like. Yeah, there's a chance Edson Barbosa just gets absolutely cooked at the end of this fight, uh, gives up a dumb submission with 30 seconds left, and that go-to-the-distance prop makes you feel like shit at the end of the night. So, um, yeah, I, I don't hate that either. So, you know, we're, we're down to about seven minutes of time here. So let's start digging for some gems in the prelims because that's where, that's where I make my money here. I, I love playing the prelims, especially on props here because – I'll tell you, I, I think the books mess up the most uh, when it comes to prelim props because, uh, you know, I I I said it last week uh, when we were we were going over sort of some some you know suggested or recommended bets at the end of the night is we we were talking about Ramiz Brahimai came in as a like a a plus one twelve or one twenty uh to win by submission the dude's only ever won by submission, submission. and he was fighting a guy who had lost four times by submission. It almost seemed crazy that they were offering those odds. And they were even offering like minus 120 for him to get any finish. So even if you thought for some reason he was going to test his striking or get a TKO, like, man, sometimes they really space on the prelims. So uh, obviously this this set of prelims has got quite a few more names than we typically see. You know, Marita Rodriguez and Jan Xiaonan are both, you know, pretty damn close to being title challengers.
2: I think that goes on the main card.
0: Do you think that gets bumped up?
2: Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, I mean, they did find a fight for for RDA, so maybe no. But I'm, I'm blown away that this isn't opening up the card. Like, I, this fight might be fight of the night. It's a title eliminator, like you said, between yeah. those two girls.
0: And, and we did a show at the beginning of the year where we talked uh, – we predicted, you know, during that lull where we got almost nothing to bet on. We talked about predictions for who we thought would be – the champions at the end of the year. I actually picked Marina Rodriguez for strawweight. I, I think she's a terrible matchup for Rose Eunice. She's long. She's lanky. She's uh, absolute pistons with the hands. And really the only time she's been beat, we saw her out wrestled by Carla Esparza, um, which sadly, the only thing we've seen Jan Chaudan lose by is getting badly out wrestled by Carla Esparza. And then Marina Rodriguez went out, beat Mackenzie Dern. So it's not like she didn't figure that out too. So you know, all awesome things there. So I, I agree with you. I'd love to see that on the main card. Unfortunately, the UFC's analytics department or whatever the fuck they, they use to make these decisions, and, and I know it really pisses some people off, but, like, whatever they use to make this decision, somehow Greg Hardy's name comes out on top. Maybe they use Q-scores or some shit like that, but Greg Hardy's name comes out on the main card. Although I will – I'll give a little credit to Sergei Spivak. Sergei Spivak is a young heavyweight, which is almost unheard of in this day and age. The dude's, like, 27 years old. And, and he's making main cards, and I think he's ranked. I think he's ranked fifteenth in the UFC's official ranking. So, uh, you know, shout out to him for that. Um, but okay, so let's talk a little bit about Marina Rodriguez versus Jan Shannon. This is one the books overwhelmingly have going the distance. Uh, if you look over two and a half rounds, uh, we're talking about negative two sixty in most places. Um, you can see as low as negative two forty, as high as two eighty, but somewhere in that negative two sixty range. Is there something you're playing there? Are you using an inside the distance prop? Do you, do you think this for sure goes decision and you're just using that decision to juice your odds a little bit?
2: That That's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, so one thing that I do just off, off rip is when I see a fight like this and I see that fight goes to decision is minus 225, that's telling me that it's a high possibility that it's going to go the distance. So immediately I'm saying to myself, The only thing I would bet on Marina Rodriguez would be for her to win by decision. So she's minus 255 to win this fight. I'm with you. I'm I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's severely slept on. I don't know what it is. The UFC must not like her, but that's a different conversation. So instead of laying minus 255, I'm going to take the plus 110 to win by decision. Or if I think Janan is going to win, I'm going to go plus 280 as opposed to taking her at plus 205. And look, if someone gets caught, so be it. But I'm going to play the percentages and get better odds by playing them to win via decision.
0: Yeah, and I agree on that one too. I I, I think that's pretty much the only way to play that one. We we have seen Marina Rodriguez get like – I mean, she went out and finished Amanda Hebos on the feet, which was bizarre because then she then fought – people who I thought were worse strikers and like Mackenzie Dern and couldn't finish her on the feet and had five rounds to do it. Um, so like, yeah, like I think you're right. I, I think neither of these two are particular finishers. Jan Shannon is more of like a volume puncher. So definitely you're playing Jan Chanan on the odds. Anyway, there's no reason not to juice those up, um, by changing that into a decision prop because I, I think that that for sure makes sense. Um, so yeah, that, that I I agree with you entirely on that one too. How about uh, any of these others on the prelims that you're you're looking at that you particularly like? There there's some some bigger names, but there are some names here too that people might not know all that much about.
2: Yeah, so the one of my favorite props on the entire slate of UFC is Klein to not only win that fight against Devontae Smith, to win it. Inside the distance and by knockout. Now, I don't see it by knockout. But the one thing about Devontae Smith is I believe he lost one of his fights. as like a minus 1,000 favorite. Yeah, the Worthy
0: fight. Yeah. yeah. Which, who's like weirdly one of his best friends too. Uh, yeah, and he took, that
2: fight on, he took that fight on like three, four days notice too. But all of Devontae Smith's recent losses have been by knockout. And he seems to be very chinny. So that's one of the props I'm gonna look for, and definitely tie into some parlays. You know, Daniel. One thing I like to do, man, is and I came really close last week. I missed on, uh, I missed on Islam. I had him by sub, and he went by oh, TKO. That
0: that's a I, dude. I saw so many people with that prop out that it was sub, and he took the back like three times, and, and I had him in a parlay just winning straight out just no reason to to dip into either of those and it was just about to cash and i was like those poor souls who are hanging <laughs> to him by sub or him by tk because some people i know had him by tko too but like hanging clutching to that idea that it's him by sub or him by tko Just like man he, he just decided today was the day i believe in chaos <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah so i went you know i had uh I had McKinney in the first round to win. I had Brahimov to win in the first round. I had the Alvarez fight to end inside the distance. I didn't have a strong lean on the other side. And I had the cash out option. But one thing about me is I don't hedge. I'm ride or die <laughs> until the end. And I was one of those people when he was taking the back. I'm like, come on, just slide that hand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, go, going back to this Klein fight, that that's one of the props that I'm definitely waiting to see what the odds are going to be. And I'm going to jump on that because I think Devontae Smith is, you know, I hate saying stuff like this, but I, I don't see him really as UFC caliber. I don't know much about Klein, but a guy who's chinny like that, I'm usually going to lean to the dog in this fight. Yeah, well,
0: and I'm going to... Uh, unveil something that I don't typically unveil, but we're taping this before I started taping with Jeff. And that's a fight I'm still on the fence about picking. Like, like if you, you tell me, gun to your head, who you pick in Ludovic Klein or you picking Devontae Smith, both guys have done brilliant things. Both guys have done things that I've loved and both guys have looked awful at other times. Um, And and you're right though. You get, if you're getting dog odds here on Ludovic Klein and you're like, like you, like you said, you, you don't trust his chin. Like that, that that's a hundred percent a line that you should mess with. Now, I, I'm going to throw one out there too before we uh, before we depart here because we are running a little bit low on time. I'm going to throw one out there for people too to mess around with, and that's Maria Agapova and Marina Miraz, which I think this fight we're, we're talking about bad blood at the top of the card. Yeah, I know they're I know they're trying to sell us on the bad blood at the top of the card because first of all, not a believer that it's actually bad blood. <laughs> I don't I don't believe Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal hate each other. I'll make no mistake at saying that. I do believe Marina Mraz and Maria Agapova hate each other, both because I've seen it. You can see how much they hate each other. And I talked to Maria Agapova earlier this week. I did an interview with her on, uh, I believe it was on Sunday, but it will air on my uh, Top Turtle on the Day podcast, which you guys can check out uh, on the Top Turtle on MMA feed. Um They don't mind when I plug it. Uh, so you, you can check out that interview with her. she's pissed, she's like, she's doing, she's messing with my head, she's trying to make me angry, she's trying to make me gas out, she's trying to make me crazy, they they don't like each other, and I will say this, the under one and a half rounds is plus two, almost plus 250, the under two and a half rounds is plus 155, and I will say this, if you look back at Maria Agapova, and you look at Maria Agapova's, you know, record so far in the UFC, she's only fought three times, granted, but if you look at a record in the UFC so far, we're talking rear naked choke in the first, weird loss by ground and bound in the second round to maybe the worst fighter she's ever fought in her whole life. And then absolutely beast mode rear naked choke in the third round, all of them under two and a half rounds. Mm-hmm. You go back to her regional career, first round, first round. She lost on the contender series in decision first round, like in, in, against people who have been in the UFC too outside of the, the UFC. Like she fought Naliang Chinese fighter who, who's come to the UFC since then. So, like, she's fighting high-caliber opponents outside of the UFC, high-caliber opponents inside the UFC, and she's either finishing or being finished. And, and, again, if her emotions get high and you don't trust her to win by submission or win by TKO, you're worried about her getting too crazy. You know, both unders at 1.5 and, and 2.5, and both fun to play, I think. And I will say this, Agapova, if you think she's going to stay calm enough to get the finish herself, You're going to take her odds at negative 200, and just to get her inside the distance is plus 210. I think this one turns into just fury of two women who freaking hate each other.
2: No, I love it. There is a lot of bad blood between these two women. Uh, OnlyFans stuff, (laughs) uh, former teammates, and same camp. And, there, there was claims somebody was on drugs. Yeah, like it's 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 gonna be. I don't I don't see any handshakes in this one after the fight. That's for sure. But now, nah, man, you're right. You know Agapova. This happens sometimes, man. I've seen it happen with odds. I was all over her in her follow up fight after she lost as a big favorite. She was significantly undervalued. I want to say I would have to go back and check, dude. I think she might have even been a dog in that sec- in that fight after. And I just remember saying to my friend, I'm like, look, man, this girl is legit. I think she is a future title challenger. I think people are overreacting to her being a minus 900 favorite and getting stopped by one of the worst fighters on the roster. And then we jumped all over that. So that's something I like looking at all the time. Anytime, just a, a rule of thumb, if you see a big favorite, and they just so happen to blow up your parlay or your bet, you just take them to win, and they lose, the very next fight, they're going to be undervalued. And then the same goes for when there's a debuting fighter, who Christian Rodriguez, who fought last week. Oh, I cannot wait for him to be in a plus 180 matchup where he has a full camp. <laughs> Oh man, I am gonna tweet at you and say we are riding this guy so. because he he looked great in that fight too.
0: Definitely worth mentioning how good and up a weight class uh, uh, against nice. against a long ass guy and J- JSP is so long for his weight class. So I agree with you entirely on that. And you know to to go back and and cite some of your original points, Agapova in that uh, it was the Sabina Mazo fight, um, which actually happened on the same card as that uh, Marina Rodriguez versus um. Uh, Mackenzie Dern fight that I mentioned before she plus 155 that's insane and, and Mazo I'm pretty sure it was coming off that loss to Sarah McMahon which didn't look good either but somehow people hated on Agapova more uh in that fight which I mean it, it absolutely baffles me when when that kind of stuff happens and I'll say this too I I think and, and you know I if you've you been listening to the whole show, fans, you've already heard me say this. I think people are sleeping on Tim Elliott for that same reason in his upcoming fight. Tim Elliott cost a whole bunch of people if they were, you know, he wasn't quite a huge favorite fighting Matthews Nikolai last fight. But he looked he looked like he was out to a huge lead. If you bet the live lines, his live line was looking great after one round. And he blew it. He lost the second and third round, looked really bad. And now we're seeing him as a plus 200 underdog against a guy coming off of only a split decision win. And, yeah, he's got a name that sounds like he's from Russia, so you assume he can wrestle. But he gets taken down a bunch. Um, So, yeah, I I totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, I think we gave the fans some gems here. And, unfortunately, I do have to cut this out because very sad moment. I have to bring back Jeff Fox, everybody. You're going to have to listen to him a little bit more. Um, he doesn't usually get to hear me shit on him. He usually shits on me. So this is, and he probably won't listen to this either. So it's fine. Um, so uh, once again, I, I want to thank uh, my temporary co-host here, Nick Davis. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Nick Davis 10. He's the host of the Veteran Minimums podcast, and the Upset and Underdogs podcast. And of course, make sure to check out any of his fight week stuff. You can catch that through Blue Wire and of course, all of the places I already mentioned. Nick, thanks so much for the time, man.
2: No, this was awesome, dude. I'm looking forward to connecting again on another car later down the road.
1: What an amazing interview, Dan. Everything you guys talked about was was just uh, was a stunning <laughs> interview. Can, can you tell I haven't listened to it yet? Yeah. Or, I, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, that was out loud. Oops. I, I, think, um, I
0: think all the fans know that you – as a matter of fact, there may or may not be a stab in the middle of that where I said, Jeff's not going to listen to this anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh. That's yes, I will. That, if it's not me talking, I will listen to it. I, I wanted bad. to make sure Dad didn't throw me under the bus or anything like that. So, um, Nick was fun to talk to.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's you, you guys uh, You guys who uh, have already listened to it, he's got really great insight yeah. on when it comes to how to play props uh, as far as the yep. card goes because, like, you know, his insight really is finding value in the props, and I think he showed you guys some that you're really going to like. I am going to... I agreed with him for a moment on one of the ones in our main event, and now I'm going to backtrack it when we get to our recommended plays. Oh. Don't don't tell anybody, but, like, I thought about it more, and I like the play more and more, even after bad-mouthing it for a second. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on, but we should, uh, we should get to go into this main card now that we are done with do our it. little special feature. By the way, we hope you guys enjoyed it, and if you did... Hit us up on Twitter and hit Nick up on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find him at Nick Deus 10 on Twitter and Deus is Dais is D A I S. So make sure you hit him up and tell him that you enjoyed his appearance on our show.
1: I'm going. I'm going to do that right now, Dan. Okay, <laughs> I, I actually, I'll tell him. I actually listened to it and I enjoyed his appearance on the show. All right. Um, what are we going to talk about now? Let's talk about the pay per view portion of uh, UFC 272, which is starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, as per usual. We start off with big boys, heavyweights. Sergey Spivak versus Greg Hardy. Is Spivak, is he a chunky guy? He is, definitely. Ha- Hardy, I guess, actually. is, And Hardy, I guess, is actually a chunky guy at this point, too, really. Like, he's,
0: like, a chunky guy in the way, like, NFL guys are chunky guys. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, like, he is an NFL guy. But, like, I mean, he's he's thick, but I don't know if he's chunky. I mean, I guess he's he almost fits in the Lewis, uh Lewis band here. But, like... Sergey Spivak is kind of loose, Chunky. He's he's kind of almost like Chris Dockett. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, let's break down this fight. Uh, we got a, a polar bear versus a prince of war. Uh, Hardy, the prince of war, the aforementioned prince of war, seven and four with one no contest. He's been knocked out six – oh, sorry. He's knocked out six people. He himself has been knocked out twice. He's four and four with one no contest in the UFC. He is over his last two. Oh, and two. Um, both, were both of them being knockout? I think they were. Or let let uh, me check the... Uh, so one check one the was by knockout
0: stuff. to Tai Tuivasa, and the other one was a TKO right. to Marcin Taibura when he basically uh, just let Tibera move in the mount because his legs didn't work anymore and he was exhausted and just uh, yeah. laid there kind of like a dead fish.
1: <laughs> kind of like a chunky guy. Um, all right, so he's lost two straight. He was 2-0 in the Contender Series. Based on the last weigh-ins, he was 26 pounds heavier than Spivak. Two inches of height, two inches of reach on him. Striking and active striking stats in his favor, plus 175. Spitback the Polar Bears, 13-3, five knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out himself twice. He's 4-3 and three in the UFC. He's won three of his last four, however. Uh, his last fight was a TKO loss. Um, he was a regional champ, as well as seven years younger than Hardy. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 225. Uh, your turn to break it down.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take. Spivak. Or is it my turn?
1: It's your uh, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, I'm gonna take. Spiv- just go. I'm gonna take Spivak in this fight. Uh, I think, you know, Greg Hardy has shown that he doesn't have very good cardio, and you put him in there with a dude who just grinds against the cage and has excellent wrestling. Like that's nuts, dude. Like, also, do you remember? It's so funny that people are, are talking about like Sergey Spivak is like he, he's yeah he's nothing real special. The dude's 27, and two years ago he tapped out Tuivasa. Um, Like, that was two years ago he hit an arm triangle on Tai Tuivasa. His only loss in, like, the last year and a half is to Tom Aspinall. So, like, this dude is figuring it out and at the right time and for some reason now has to fight Greg Hardy, who seems to be doing the exact opposite. i say he grinds him out pretty easily here. Sergei Spivak, easy pick.
1: Exactly, Spivak is the easy pick for me as well. Yeah, he, he should be slept on. He's actually young for heavyweight division. He's he's actually one of the people that should be considered and getting better uh, too. And getting summer. better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hardy is definitely not getting better. This, this could be the end of the ride, possibly. No, Hardy is, I'm sure he's, he's going to be will. here
0: for longer than Sam Alvey. Uh,
1: oh God! Oh, yeah. By the way,
0: did you see he's getting another fight? Yes.
1: He's getting another fight <laughs> and. He mentioned that every three fights, he's gotten a big race from the UFC, whether he's won or lost. Which he hasn't won. What? How many has he lost now? Six straight or something ridiculous like that? Uh, you so got
0: like, to count the draw in there to Daun Jung.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> but anyhow, he, he's been getting raises every every three uh, every three fights regardless. So well, good at him. I'm fine with. He, he, he's a good guy, but uh, yeah. Anyhow, this isn't a um, Sam Alvey podcast. At least not this episode. So let's move on to Walter Waits. Kevin Holland's going back down to wet weight. He's fighting the Brazilian cowboy, Alex Oliveira. Um, Holland's a trailblazer. Oliveira is a cowboy. Um, the cowboy's 22-11-1. That's how many kids he has. Uh, his pro record is 22-11-1 as well uh, with two no contests. He's been He's knocked out 12 people, submitted five people. He's been knocked out himself once and submitted six times. I'm just kidding about the kids. He really only has what? How many have we... You I say he had like a, ten or
0: something. Like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he he's trying to have more kids than losses. Uh, pro losses, which are eleven at this point. So, um, he's eleven and nine with one no contest in the UFC. He's lost three straight fights over his last eight. He's two and six. He used to fight at lightweight. This one's up at welterweight, and he's fighting a guy he usually fights at middleweight. Uh, he's miss. He was missing weight at at lightweight, probably because he's ancient now and it's not as easy to cut weight. So he's he's up to welterweight now. Uh, he was a regional champ as well. He made his debut in 2011. He's got grappling staffed in his favor, plus 230. Trailblazer, Mr. Holland, 21-7, 12 knockouts, 5 submissions. He, he's been subbed twice. It's only two times he's been finished in his career. He's 8-4 in the UFC. He's lost two straight. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series, 1-0 in Bellator. Uh, he used to, as I mentioned, he used to fight at middleweight. He was 2-1 as the pro kickboxer. He's 4 inches taller than in Oliveira, 5 inches of reach on him, 4 years younger. Striking and acting, strike stats in his favor, minus 300. Holland is the pick in this one. Way, way too big and uh, younger than Oliveira. Uh, the grappling obviously is a concern, but I, I think he can keep Oliveira off him.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. It, it's a concern, and it's something that I, I wouldn't be you know itching to play a negative 300 number on because that's no. there. Um, and plus, we don't know how he looks back at welterweight, but... I'll say this: I I don't trust Oliveira enough to to be really into the idea of taking him either. Again, this is probably another fight that I just stay away from as as far as the odds go because they're they're big on one side and I, I there's reason to distrust those big odds, but not enough to not pick Kevin Holland here. Yes,
1: yeah, so this will not be one of the recommended plays that bring all the boys to the yard for Dan this week. Um, all right, we're still agreeing on everything. Let me put let me lock Dan in as a Kevin Holland backer. All right. Yeah, we haven't, we didn't disagree on anything yet. Oh, goodness gracious! So how about this fight? Do you think we're going to disagree on this one? Featherweight: Edson Barboza, Bryce Mitchell. What, what, what? You got feeling here?
0: Uh, Are
1: we going to be on the same page or not?
0: I think we're going to agree.
1: Okay, let's see. We got Junior Barboza, Thug Nasty Mitchell. Um, junior, twenty-two and 10, 13 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked, he's knocked. Yeah, sorry, he's been knocked out four times, submitted twice. Sixteen and ten in the UFC. That's crazy. He's 20, this fight 27 in the UFC for him. He's won two of his last three. However, before that, he was on three fight, losing streaks. So he's gone two and four of his last six. He's lost his last fight via TKO. He's fight at lightweight. He made his debut in 2009. He's got multiple championships on his what? Mantle. Yes. (laughs) He's kickboxing, including kickboxing and grappling championships. You wouldn't think Edson Barboza had a grappling championship, but yes, he does. Uh, he's an inch taller than Mr. Nasty. Um, five inches of reach on him. Almost two times more active striking, plus 130. All right, Thug Nasty is 14-0 with nine submissions, 5-0 in the UFC. Uh, he has not fought since October of 2020. Uh, I think he was busy like um, chasing conspiracy theory stuff, right? Is that what he was doing over the past year and a half? Oof.
0: Uh, that he's he's a big ball oof
1: (laughs) yeah he's like he was like a fun up-and-coming type of guy and then he had opened his mouth one too many times right
0: yeah i think people just let him be comfortable
1: opening his mouth (laughs) yeah that might be the issue but um yeah all right anyhow what? What? He was he? Did he have another uh, testicle injury or something? Is that why he was out?
0: Yeah, that's how he ripped his nut. I don't think he had a testicle injury. He just no, put, it's true. Ripped his nut back open. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's yeah. all he did. It's, Dan. Just, no a, big it's deal. just a minor
1: scrotum tear. Exactly.
0: <laughs> there's your. There's your episode. Oh, there's your title. My title. <laughs> minor you. scrotum tear. <laughs>
1: That will bring all the boys to the yard for sure. Just that title will uh, – how many people are just going to axe out the podcast when they see that title? But I, I don't care. I'm going for it anyway. The true true gens will listen. All right. Um, What was I telling you about him? Undefeated 14-0. Nine submissions. Five-0 in the UFC. He's been out for a year and a half almost, October 2020. He's 1-1 in the Ultimate Fighter, 2-0 in World Series of Fighting. He was regional champ as well. He's eight years younger than Barboza. Striking and grappling stats in the favor of minus 165. It's you first, is it not, or is it It, me first? It is. It's me.
0: It's me first, and I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell. I I think, look, I I really, especially after that school shooting crap, like, I really want to pick against him. But the problem is, is that, like, Edson Barboza's weakness has always been a guy who wrestles and grapples well, right? Like, he... Kevin Lee took him down how many times, Uh, you know, and and just dominated him on top. And he's looked a little bit better since coming down to featherweight. But at the end of the day, man, Bryce Mitchell is so good at grappling. Like, he's so good at taking people down. And, yeah, he's going to eat a dozen leg kicks, and he's going to have to avoid taking a big blow early on. And he's probably going to have to fight him for 15 minutes because Barboza is defending submissions. But ultimately, I think he does that and probably takes a decision here.
1: What if Bryce Mitchell really isn't a grappler, Dan? And this is just a big uh, government conspiracy that makes him look like he's a, big, <laughs> like he's a good grappler. Oh yeah, that? that's
0: that's brilliant.
1: <laughs> you ever think of that? I, right, I, I had I had not thought of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking uh, Dirtbag Nasty as well uh, in this fight, so we are on the same page um, as well. Um, all right, Colmade event. This was a last-minute co event because. Rafael Fizyev didn't hear the news that COVID, the pandemic's over, and he caught COVID. Oh, my God. That's so untrendy now, right? It's COVID-19, for crying out loud. This is 2022. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, he gets better. Hopefully. Anyhow, <laughs> Are you looking for a round better, of applause
0: for that joke? <laughs> no. Yes, for sure. That's...
1: Anyhow, did you hear like, COVID is just a made-up thing anyway, Dan? Did you hear I'm all that? Sure. It's just a I'm money pretty, grab? I I'm think?
0: pretty sure that was, uh, oh, it, the money grab one. Who is this? Yes. Uh, I think give me a second you, you said
1: it was someone someone said that recently I think.
0: an A fighter
1: probably Is it? All right, well,
0: here, there, there's some bad Gina Carano stuff too yeah I was, yeah, was like. going to say bad Gina Carano <laughs> okay uh,
1: this, this reminds me of a rant I wanted to make alright uh, website to pretend you're reputable you don't have to print quote unquote news stories anytime a former fighter says something stupid on Twitter that's not a news story that's true and if, you, if you ignore these people maybe they'll go away when they say stupid things, they won't. Anyhow, they just... won't, though. I know they won't, but, but like I wouldn't I wouldn't hear about it at least. But no, I, all these sites have to say Gina Crano says this. I don't care what Gina Crano says. To tell you the truth, all right? Yeah, she's the worst. Anyway. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Cyborg already showed us that. How many years ago? I so this is our transition into the coming event. It is a catch weight, 160 pound fight. Just like our main event last week. That that should be the new weight class for the UFC, apparently. 160 is the magic number for them. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Hanato Moicano. Um, Let me tell you, Moicano... Oh, yeah, we call him Rafael Mohawk around these parts because that's that's what Moicano means in our language here. Uh, He is taking this on very short notice. He just fought... He won via submission February the 12th. So this will be a very quick turnaround for him. Uh, he's 16-4-1 overall with nine submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once, so everything is a finish when he loses. He's 8-4 in the UFC. He's won two straight and 3-4. As I said, he just won via submission less than a month ago. He used to fight at featherweight. This one's up at lightweight. He made his debut in 2010. He's three inches taller than Dos Anjos, two inches of reach on him, five years younger, striking and active striking stats in his favor, grappling in his favor, plus 152. Uh, Dos Angeles, 30 and 13, five knockouts, 10 submissions. He's been knocked out three times. 19 and 11 in the UFC, he was the lightweight champion for a spell there. He's gone two and two over his last four and two and four over his last six. He did win his last fight. However, that was back in November 2020. Uh, he used to fight at welterweight. He made his debut in 2004. He's a grappling champion outside of MMA, minus 188. Um I'm rolling the dice, Dan. I'm, I'm taking the short notice guy. Uh, I like the plus 152. I'm taking Moicano. He's looked very good recently. He's got a lot of size, despite fighting, uh, despite them being two different weight classes apart at one point. Um, he's got a lot of size on him. He's got the youth on him. Uh, he's looked very good as of late. Dos Santos is, what, 37 now and hasn't fought in a year and, and a bit. Um, I think it's worth a roll of the dice here. So I will be taking Moicano at the plus money.
0: And we are still on the same no track. Way. Yes, I'm also thinking Hanato Moikano. I'm a, like the biggest Hanato Moikano believer out there. Every single time somebody tries to write out Hanato Moikano, I run you down his list of losses in some of the wins he's got, right? His losses, yep. only one at lightweight Faziev, Rafael Faziev, who was supposed to have this fight in the first place. His only losses, or his most recent losses, if you go down a weight class, we're talking about losing to Brian Ortega, a guy who he was beating for two rounds before he got submitted. Jose Aldo, uh, and Chan Sung Jung. Like, dude, the cream of the crop at Featherweight. And he beat the piss out of Calvin Cater. And uh, get this, he didn't just beat Calvin Cater. He outstruck Calvin Cater. Somebody who just outstruck Giga Jikaze got outstruck by Hanado Moicano. Like, Moicano can go in there and throw with Dos Anjos. And I also think he can go in there and grapple with him. So, yeah, I- I'm picking Moicano here, too. And I really like the fact that we're getting plus 152 on him.
1: Yep, especially since we were taking no other dogs up to this point, Dan. Um, oh, we got
0: one other. Oh, I got one other in there. Oh, no, we got one other in there. We both took uh, Tim oh, Elliott.
1: Oh, yeah, right. I switched on that one. Okay, good. All right. Well, we have actually good dogs, too. Like, that, that's some decent numbers, plus one to two doing, plus 200. So, there was a bit too much MMA math in, in your in your breakdown there, which makes me a little nervous. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we, we get this win regardless. All right, main event, Walter Wakes for – it's the the ultimate grudge match, Dan. These guys used to be best friends, and now they hate each other, and this isn't going to end it. What, no matter who wins, this isn't going to end, end the feud. Do you know? Okay? It's not going to end, they say. It's it's going to go on. I haven't paid attention to any of this. I just see headlines. Like I said, if websites didn't report this stuff, I wouldn't know it. Um, Walter Waits, Colby, Chaos, Covington versus Jorge, Gamebred, Masvidal. Both these men have a lot of interesting issues. Uh, interesting. Well, they have issues, yes. Interesting uh, <laughs> I, 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 ideas when it comes to politics and, and how the world works as, as well. So,
2: um,
1: all right, Game Brad, we'll tell you about him first. 35 and 15, 16 knockouts, two submissions. Been knocked out twice. He's been submitted twice. He's 12 and 8 in the UFC. He's lost two straight fights, the last one via knockout, but both of those were to the champ, Kamaru Usman, because Masao is so good he gets to fight for the belt two times in a row. Um, he was 5-1 in Strikeforce. Do you remember the one on his record? Do you remember how how he got that one on the record? Or was that in, that was in Bellator? He's 2-1 in Bellator. Do you remember the 1L he got?
0: In Bellator is the Tony yes. Amaba inverted yes. uh, triangle. I think it it's that's Bellator. Tony
1: inverted triangle. Is
0: that Bellator 4? Yeah,
1: it was an early one, yes.
0: Yeah, I think it was like Bellator 4.
1: I'm thinking that probably was the first time I... I heard of Jorge Masvidal. Well, maybe he was Probably in, the first was time I in... heard
0: of Bellator because that, that was like a <laughs> yes, big true. moment for them that they, was. they had this like crazy highlight that was everywhere.
1: I think he fought in Sengoku or Dream. He fought in one of the Japanese places too, did you not? I think I remember uh, him from there too. I don't
0: remember him in Sengoku, but. All right. It's I, I might have made that up.
1: Someone on this card did. Um, anyhow, um, <laughs> he was the FC champ, whatever that is. He made his debut in 2003. He was 1 0 as a pro boxer, 1 0 as a pro kickboxer. Two inches of reach on Covington, striking and grappling stats in his favor. Surprisingly, because Covington's more of a spamming takedowns than, than an accurate takedown guy. Uh, plus 260. Chaos Covington, 16 and three, four knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. He's 11 and three in the UFC. He's one and two. Lost last fight. Uh, he made his debut in 2012. He was the wrestling champion before all this. He's got four inch, uh, Sorry, he's four years younger than Masvidal. Uh, minus 350. We'll let Dan break it down first.
0: I'm taking Kobe Covington. It, it It's such a it, – And you love saying that, don't you? I, I hate saying – well, I don't like picking either of them, to be completely honest with you, because they guys who talk themselves. And Bryce the,
1: Mitchell, too, on the same card. Dude. Yeah,
0: it's it's a whole bunch of oofs. But uh, I will say this. You know, Kobe like Covington is just going to implement Kamar Usman's game plan from the first fight. Like, he's just going to go in there. He's going to take uh, Jorge Masvidal down, who is notoriously bad at defensive grappling. I don't know where people came up. I saw somebody posted a narrative that, like, oh, is his defensive grappling good enough to stop Colby? Fuck no, it's not. It's never been good enough to stop Colby. Like, in no <laughs> amount of you showing me them horse playing in their old apartment next to like a box of uh, you know Kraft mac and cheese is going to convince me that he actually is going to stop those takedowns. Because recently he got not recently like three or four years ago he got taken down by Demi and Maya all the time. And don't get me wrong, Demi and Maya great grappler, not great at takedowns. So yeah, I mean like Colby Covington just by grinding him out for as long as he needs to.
1: Yep, Colby Covington is the pick. Um, probably won't be. Everyone's all excited about this grudge match, but probably is not even going to be in a very exciting fight. It's going to be uh, a grind. Covington's going to grind. Actually, we we predicted last uh, last um, issue of this here uh, <laughs> issue. podcast a- issue. Yeah, uh, it, we're getting late in the podcast. Dan, words are words are coming out that are wrong. Um, we we broke down exactly what was going to happen. How the fight was going to go. Who was going to win, and how Masvidal was going to react after he he loses the fight. So, and he did fight in Seguqu. He was three and one in Seguqu. I wow. thought I mentioned that two thousand and eight and nine. He was in the lightweight Grand Prix reserve for a bit. So there you go. I know my stuff. So yeah, I'm right. I'm writing everything this week. So hopefully I'm writing all in pay.
0: Yeah, I hope you're. This is the first week ever. i I hope this, you're writing all your picks too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think we have one other time where we were – I think one other time we were, were uh, the same. And I, I think you said a – I think I'm going to go with a whole bunch of oofs instead of minor scrotum ta- tear for the title. I think a whole bunch of oofs may may bring more people, more then listeners. Minor, then minor scrotum about... tear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Maybe. All right. That's that's crazy, Dan. I wonder if our re- recommended plays are all going to be the same too. That'll be insane. It'll be like we planned this in advance, which we did not. So, um, all right. We'll let you go first with a recommended place because Dan is a specialist here. As we, as we told you, I'm just trying to jinx him by telling you how great he is at, at making recommended place. He never misses on these.
0: I'm I'm gonna Ever. I'm gonna spread the wealth a little bit. I actually am gonna go with six different recommended plays this week.
1: Wow! Um,
0: so I'm, I'm really gonna spread I'm it. Never out.
1: get out of here. Um,
0: the the first one. Well, let me. Do, do you have a big list, or are you gonna? You, <laughs> no, you, you do I, I don't, on the make, fly. A list you don't make lists. You don't fucking make lists. I don't know why I'm asking. No. Uh, I'm gonna go <laughs> to start with Jalen Turner for thirty bucks straight up. Um, I love his advantages here against Jamie Malarkey. Uh, I have a lot of faith in him. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Jalen Turner straight up thirty bucks.
1: All right, minus one sixty. Oh, as my computer dims, Dan, you better be quick with your picks (laughs) because I'm I'm on. I'm at nineteen percent. All right, we're on borrowed time. We're on borrowed time. Uh, Coffee didn't know that number's too big. Um, no, no, no. Um, nope. (laughs) See, I do. I do this right. All right, let's go. uh, Spivak, just straight up. Um, let's go. $25. 25 bucks Sergey Spivak winning straight up over Greg Hardy minus 225.
0: All right, and I'm going to go against our uh, guest this week, Nick Davis, who uh, said he really liked Ludovic Klein. I'm going to go with Devonte Smith for 30 bucks straight up. More and more I watched him uh, after I, I take that prop segment. I like him. I think he avoids the big blow from Ludovic, and I, I think he gets it done here, so I'm going to go 30 on Turner, 30 on Smith uh, out the gate.
1: Wow, he spent sixty bucks and he has four more picks to go. I wonder how much all those picks are going to be worth. Yeah, a little. All little right, <laughs> um, I like Jalen Turner as well, minus one sixty. This goes straight up on him. Let's um, go thirty bucks on that one. I like him a bit more than Spivak, just because heavyweight, you know, anything can happen. Ha- happy, see, I told you the words and the words. Um, Turner, minus one sixty, thirty bucks on that.
0: Alright, so here on out I'm taking little dabs at, at ten bucks apiece. So uh my first one I'm just gonna take Tim Elliott straight up. Um I don't wanna get too too much into it because he's still a plus two hundred dog. I'm gonna get a good return on my ten bucks anyway. So um you know, if I'm playing with a hundred, I, I like Tim Elliott uh for ten bucks of that. At uh plus what was it, two oh five we were saying?
1: Yep. Uh plus two hundred. All right, um thirty bucks. Uh, actually how much of it spent? I spent fifty five. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go let's go thirty-five bucks Marina Hot over Yao Chanan um straight up. So thirty five bucks Marina Hot straight up minus two seventy.
0: Alright, and I'm gonna go uh, over to one we talked about on the uh props portion of it, and I'm gonna talk about Bryce Mitchell winning by decision. Um, the reason I like Bryce Mitchell by decision mm. here is because I just don't... He, I mean, he didn't go out and finish Charles Rosa. I don't really think he can finish um, as a Barbosa either. So Bryce Mitchell wins by decision. I'm seeing it at like plus 250 right now. I think that's a steal. So I'm going to take 10 bucks on Bryce Mitchell uh, winning by decision.
1: Okay. Very good. I got 10 bucks left. I had a couple actual props which I don't usually like playing but I had a couple of props I was like I was thinking about Umar but via submission but Callagher is Callagher does get submitted a lot but um I think I like better let's go right let's go Smith Klein under one and a half rounds plus five five. Let's uh sprinkle the last ten bucks on that one.
0: I like that. Um so and then I got two I got 20 bucks left. So my two plays for 10 bucks a piece, I'm going to take Maria Agapova inside the distance. Um, I'm seeing that at plus 200. So another plus 200 play. Um, And I'm going to take her inside the distance because I think she could sub or knock out Marina Mirage. She's got good hands, but she is finishing with subs most of the time. So yeah, I'm going to take Agapova uh, plus 200 for 10 bucks. And then I'm going to close with a straight up play on Hanato Moicano, 10 bucks for him to win. Straight up at uh, whatever number you previously quoted me at, uh, I think you get to Uh plus plus one
1: fifty two. All right, Dan is going all. You are you're feeling it. You're you're feeling this uh, this hot streak you're on, and you're going all out. So in conclusion, before my laptop dies, thirty bucks. Uh, this is Dan, these are Dan's picks. These are the ones you have to listen to because uh, Dan knows the stuff here. Thirty bucks, Jalen Turner winning. Outright, minus 160. 30 bucks, Devontae Smith winning outright, minus 170. 10 bucks, Tim Elliott winning outright, plus 200. 10 bucks, Bryce Mitchell, Dan's favorite person in the world, winning via decision, plus 250. 10 bucks, Maria Aga- Agapova. I think you said her name wrong. What? I did I once. I was Agapova. hoping you didn't catch <laughs> it. <laughs> I caught it. Inside the distance, plus 200. And 10 bucks, Hanato Mohawk, uh, aka Moikano, plus 152, winning outright. My picks. Twenty five bucks, Sergey Spivak winning outright minus two twenty five. Thirty bucks, Jalen Turner, just winning outright, minus one sixty. Marina Hodhiga's winning outright minus two seventy at thirty five bucks. And ten bucks, Devontae Smith, Ludovic Klein under a round and a half at plus one twenty five. Boom.
0: You dipped your toes back into the uh the prop world, which I thought you were going to stay away from, but yeah. Uh... I,
1: I was. Well I mostly I did. It was only ten bucks.
0: All right. So but you dipped it. You dipped it.
1: Yeah, my laptop is dead.
0: Well, his laptop is dead, so I'm going to close the show right here, because this is where I usually tell you to follow us on Twitter, and he's at Jeff JeffFoxWriter, and I'm at Gumby Freeland. And, of course, download the SGPN app, follow me, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, make sure that you follow the MMA-specific feed, uh, not just the SGPN feed. Leave us a review. We certainly love it. Um, and until next week, I'm Daniel gumby Freeland. He is – oh, we can pick whatever one we want, huh? He is the Iron Lady, Jeff Fox, and we will catch you next week.